0: Our first reading today will actually come from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 34. Hear the word of God. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed him around him, and a woman was there who had been the subject of bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and it's been all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yes, yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace be freed from your suffering. The word of the Lord. You see the people crowding against you, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? This passage from Mark 5 manages to astound me every time I read it or hear it spoken, and perhaps it shouldn't. The Gospels are filled with stories of Jesus managing to channel his inner fourth quarter Tom Brady with the chaos mounting around him, maintaining his calm and collected demeanor. Yet every time I hear it, who touched me? I stand like the disciples, aghast at the prospect of his wherewithal to feel even the slightest hug for this desperate cry for help. He's in a desperate rush, is he not? The synagogue's leader da- daughter lays on her deathbed. You can almost see in your head the whole town pushing through the streets and rushing their way to the home of this priest in order to try and save his daughter. Meanwhile, Another woman in this town merely suffers from a bleeding disorder. Serious, absolutely, but in this context, the two even remotely the same. I mean, what is a little discomfort in the face of death? Perhaps that's what's always stood out to me about these verses. I forget it so often, but he has time for both, the micro and the macro. I'll be honest, nowhere did I see this more than over the nightmare of COVID over the last few years as it tore its way across the planet. People lost loved ones, businesses, savings, jobs, their own sanity or sobriety as it raged across the globe, the suffering unimaginable, the pain impossible to quantify yet. I had my own issues, while not even approximating the darkness that brooded over so many. In quarantine, I'll be honest, I I was losing myself for some time. There was a hole in me that all the Netflix binges, family card nights, DoorDash deliveries, and FaceTime calls couldn't fix. The loss of human interaction apart from my lovely family left me lacking something. It's just to say that my body suddenly ached for the shouts, calls across the school hallways, the needless droning of our assemblies, and even... The odd sound of a teacher's voice unmuffled by spotty Wi-Fi or a Zoom call. It felt like ages since a dumb joke from a peer had brought me the soul-reviving power of a laugh. The warm embrace from a friend had given me comfort when I needed it most. I didn't feel myself. In fact, this feeling was so extreme that I decided I should open my Bible probably for the first time since my 8th grade confirmation class. (laughs) Sifted among the pages, scanning over some of the passages that had been highlighted from years past, one passage stood out to me. When I gave these verses a read, it, it renewed a sense of spirit within me. Prompted me to turn back to a spiritual side of myself that, I'll be honest, I'd let slip away through the first two years of high school. Even during this difficult time I talked myself out of any thoughts about turning to prayer or Bible study. After all, what did Jesus care about a Belmade kid's problems in the midst of a pandemic? But these verses wreck that notion. They remind you that asking for help is not taking away from someone else. In other words, there's enough shots for everyone on Jesus' basketball team. In this story, he finds the time to relieve a woman of her immense discomfort while everyone else is imploring him to hurry up and save this young woman. I'll remind you, he manages to do both. Same happened to me after I continued this ritual. started to feel his presence around me once again, one that I hadn't felt in a long time. Made time for me, and I've heard countless stories of other people who found him as well during these horrific months and two years as well. So I don't tell this story to try and garner any sympathy that could be directed upwards of a million places. But I simply ask you to remember that no matter what is happening around you, you and your problems still matter to Jesus. Let's call this sermon a a vindication of the the trivial important. It's all to say that situations around us sometimes feel so gargantuan that focusing on our own problems feels self-absorbed or egotistical. People lose their homes to war, their rights to leaders bent on power, or even control of their own bodies. Our problems feel but specks of dust floating in the wind, too small to see and too insignificant to affect much of anything. People often say it's simple to find the Lord when life is easy, but often you can feel any request you make is nothing more than a spoiled appeal. It's so now more than ever, I felt important to tell this story, to remind everyone that your problems, doubts, concerns, disillusionments, and worries still weigh on Jesus, especially in today's world when the smallest acts make the biggest differences. Simply looking through this passage and asking for help through prayer gave me back my spirituality. These verses reiterate that he not only asks us to look at him but to look at one another. Where can we help someone? He asks us to help in any way we can. He asks us not to be ashamed of helping no matter how small because he reminds us there's always time for both. So I ask you today don't be afraid to tug the cloak, because I promise Jesus has time, and more than that, he wants to help. Thank you.
1: Hear the Word of God. Amen. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. The word of the Lord. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Latham Hall. I've been at Westminster for about the past seven years, since just after my family moved to Nashville. One of the first things on our to do list when my family first moved here was to find a church. We were actually coming from Donovan's old church in Durham, so Westminster was an obvious contender. I would say something about us following Donovan, but I think my dad ran that joke into the ground a long time ago. (laughs) We were coming from a church much smaller than this one, so my family was a little worried about finding the same sense of community that we were used to. I think that the size of this church was a bit overwhelming to us at first, but it didn't take me long to find my own group of friends. After coming from a church with relatively few kids my age, this was a really nice change. Even though I joined Westminster a lot later than most of the people you'll hear speak today, I've always felt like I'm just as much a part of the community as everyone else. I don't have any grandparents or cousins that attend Westminster, I didn't go to preschool here, and there's almost nobody from my school that goes here. Caroline Kuyper is the exception. She's sitting right behind me and her job is to not tell anyone that I usually wear the same outfits to school on Monday as I do to choir rehearsal on Sunday. (laughs) Anyway, the fact that I didn't really know anybody when joining the church didn't change anything. All it meant was that I was welcomed into a new family, the Westminster family. On my very first day of Sunday school at this church, I was absolutely terrified. Everything was new to me, and I had no idea where anything was in this building. However, the second I stepped into the door, I was quickly introduced to Eleanor Bryant and Kate Sheridan, and we became fast friends. Throughout the past eight years, I've made so many more friends, and I know that we will always be connected by a bond stronger than most people will ever be lucky enough to know. It was during one of my first Sunday school lessons at Westminster that we were told that the sign outside of the church reads, Westminster Presbyterian Church gathers here. This building isn't special on its own. It's special because we're here. That notion has always stuck with me because it so concisely encapsulates the true purpose of the church. When people say Westminster, they aren't referring to the building. They're talking about the people. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. The location isn't important. As long as we're together, that's all that matters. Sometimes we might feel closest to God in some pretty unusual situations. I'm about to tell a story that I've told in church before, so bear with me. In the summer before my sophomore year of high school, the youth group went on a mission trip to Washington, D.C. On one of those days, we spent the morning reading with kids from underrepresented communities. I was paired with a boy named Chase, and I won't repeat what he said, but I did repeat it the last time I told this story, and my mother was not too happy with me. I've learned my lesson, and I'll just say that Chase expressed his distaste for being forced to read with me. I wish that I could tell you all a cute little story about how I eventually convinced Chase to read with me and I magically convinced him that books aren't so bad, but that's not what happened. Instead, we came up with a compromise that he didn't have to read the book aloud. Instead, we would each read it in our heads and turn the pages together. I think that's one of the moments where I felt closest to God. Sitting next to Chase in silence, I knew that God was watching over us. I think that Chase knew that too. God was present in our lives when we were just being still, sitting next to a stranger, reading a book, or just looking at the pictures. Now, I'm pretty sure that it's not a senior Sunday sermon if I don't talk about Montreat. Last year was the first time I had the chance to go, and I'm so glad that I did. There are so many things from that week that I could talk about, from hiking to one of the most beautiful lookouts I've ever seen, to doing a talent show in the hotel when we had a brief COVID scare. One story I think is most notable from that is from one morning when I went for a run with Ty and Clara Hardin. To preface this, both of those people are much faster than I am. I don't think that most people would enjoy waking up at 5.45 to run in the rain in the mountains where it feels like you're only ever going uphill, but I did. <laughs> to be fair, I wasn't really enjoying this at the time. However, after that run, as I was catching my breath, I took a moment to take in my surroundings. I was in a beautiful wood with people I loved, and I just knew that God was there too. People had told me that Montreat was a thin place, where people on earth feel closer to God than normal. I didn't really understand what they meant until I experienced it for myself. Feeling close to God is not something I can manufacture, produce, or fake. It usually surprises me, forcing me to live in the present moment, overtaking my thoughts, and filling my trust with a true, unconditional love. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I'm glad that I've gotten to become so involved in this community. I do sometimes complain that on Sundays I seem to spend more time at church than at my own home, and I wasn't the biggest fan of having to get here at 6.30 on Easter morning, but I'm willing to make those little sacrifices. I've had a lot of fun over the years, especially when I'm being pushed out of my comfort zone. Everyone I've met at Westminster has wanted to help me grow, but sometimes I do need a little push in the right direction. I remember being pretty firmly against the idea of joining a church basketball team, as I am someone with absolutely no hand-eye coordination. But with a little convincing from Mr. Sheridan, I signed up anyway. I had so much fun at my very first game, and I haven't looked back since. I'm not exactly what one might call a good basketball player, but I'm really glad to be a part of the team. And for those of you who are unaware, the Hungry Sharks are the 2022 church ball champions, so there's that. Everything I've done at Westminster has shaped me into the person that I am today. Maybe I'm not the best basketball player, but I've learned how to be a part of the team. And maybe I'm not the best at giving a sermon, but I've learned to be vulnerable and know what I believe. I have a family at Westminster that I can never be separated from. Next year, I'll be back in Durham, and my dorm will actually be walking distance from my old church. I may be a several-hour-long drive away from this physical space, but this community, these people, will always be with me.
2: Our third reading today comes from the Gospel of John chapter 13, verses 1 through seven. Hear the word of God. I hear so. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray, to betray him, excuse me. the word of the lord ah senior sunday (laughs) a day where parents can either be seen crying during the service or hustling out of the sanctuary with tears in their eyes immediately following the singing of here i am lord today can be an emotional day for us all so i figured i would take a moment to just sort of check in read the room like my mom can i get a thumbs up we're doing okay back there what about lane and Derek bryant in the balcony thumbs up okay we're good Billy and Latham just gave amazing sermons. So the Joneses, are we doing well over there? Okay. What about the halls? I see y'all back there. Okay. And for those of you who are visiting Westminster for the first time, I would just like to say that we're normally not this emotional during our services. Okay. Now that we seem to be all right, I'll actually get to my sermon. The passions I just read, John chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, may sound very familiar as it is the story of the Last Supper and when Jesus washed the disciples feet guy griffith recently preached on this passage on Monday thursday a time in which i was stressing about what to preach on for my senior sermon as i leaned my head back against this very wall i heard guy read the words you do not know now what i am doing but later you will understand immediately i knew this was the verse i had been looking for because it helps me better express what i wanted to say as i reflect on my time as a as a member of the westminster youth ministry My close friends from school often joke that Sundays are my busiest days of the week. I arrive at 7.45 a.m. to rehearse for choir, which is then followed by the actual service, Sunday school, small group, and a monthly youth council meeting. I then go home for a short break, only to return to Westminster at 4 p.m. for handbell practice, choir rehearsal, and youth group. While other people my age spend their time playing travel sports or excelling in theater arts, my family often says that I participate in a little something we call travel church. <laughs> I must admit that there are times on Sundays when I ask myself, why did I sign up for this again? And if I were to sing a solo for you right now, you two would question my participation in these activities. <laughs> a similar feeling hit my class when we were in seventh grade when we began the confirmation process. After the initial meeting, we all stopped and said, Wait, you're telling me we have to meet with a mentor to talk about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and then write a creed? Why exactly do we have to do this? When my parents and I attended our first informational meeting about about Montreal Youth Conference, TJ explained that we would spend each day going to small groups and worship services. I turned to my parents and said, So this is what the high schoolers rave about? A bunch of meetings. Why do we choose to even be a part of the church? In all honesty, there are times when we all question our commitment to this church. We may ask ourselves things like, Why did I agree to serve on that committee? Why did I sign up for this Bible study? Why did I volunteer at FaithWorks yesterday? Sorry, Mom. (laughs) Perhaps when we feel this way, we may feel similar to the way Simon Peter felt. Don't you think that at some point, Simon Peter or any of of the disciples during their many journeys with Jesus took a step back and asked, Why am I doing this? While at dinner one night with the disciples, Jesus took off his outer robes, wrapped a towel around himself, and washed the disciples' feet. Simon Peter questioned Jesus' actions, saying, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus then gave him this sort of mysterious response of, you do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. There is something to be said about how Simon Peter responded to these words. When told this sort of vague answer, he chose to trust what Jesus was doing for him. The same can apply here at Westminster. Each of our commitments to this community will make sense in the long run, but for now, we must trust in the plan God has for each of us. There are many things we do here at Westminster that make us wonder why we do them a particular way, but it is our unique traditions that make this church such a special place and help bring us closer to God. Now, at what marks the end of my time as a youth here at Westminster, I understand why I did all that I did, and the answer to that is quite simple, the community. The community here at Westminster is unlike that of anything I've ever been a part of. I consider my friends from here to be among my closest. The Laudate Youth Choir has provided me with many opportunities and allowed me to form connections with youth both in my grade and in other grades. I've also felt firsthand the appreciation that this church has for its choir and for our weekly participation. Around this time, four years ago, my class was confirmed, answering another why this question we had. The event made us all understand our commitment to the church and the confirmation process because we were able to publicly profess our faith. As for Montreat, I can admit that on paper the conference sounds kind of boring, sorry. But when you actually go, it is a week full of fun. My three summers there have made me understand what a special place Montreat truly is and why people so eagerly return each, each year. Montreat has allowed me to connect with people of all ages and from all states through small group discussions. My time spent there has brought me closer to God and the Westminster community. Additionally, the events of this church have given me a sort of lame older sister, the opportunity to spend more time with my super cool younger brother, Owen, and with Ty and Clara Hardin, who've been like additional siblings to me. My grade has been blessed to have been taught by some of the all-time great Sunday school teachers. Church basketball allowed me to have lots of fun with my Westminster friends outside of our typical Sunday activities. One would not expect a group of high school seniors to eagerly await a 9 a.m. game on a random Saturday in December, but the Hungry Sharks, the 2022 church ball champs, do just that. (laughs) I've been able to babysit some amazing Westminster families and form connections with people of all ages. I know that each time I walk through these doors, I was going to gesture to one door, but we have many doors in this church, so any of the doors here, I know that I will be greeted with love. The countless minutes I have happily, and at times not so happily, spent here are entirely worth it because I've had the privilege of being a part of a community such as this one. The senior class now looks at another challenge, one where we will all go our separate ways and become part of new communities. I'm not going to lie, it's a bit stressful for all of us right now, between AP exams and searching for college roommates, we find ourselves getting caught up in the madness of this final bit of senior year. Why are we choosing a certain college or career path? Why are we moving away from family and the life we know to begin a new one? My hope is for us is that years from now, we will be able to look back upon our time following high school and understand why we went the places we went and why we did the things we chose to do. Let's take the obvious. Sleep is very important. Pajamas are very comfortable. And CBS Sunday morning, in my opinion, is very entertaining. Love that, Jane Pauly. <laughs> These are all things we gave up in order to be present in this sanctuary. Why did we choose to be here today? Each of us woke up, dragged ourselves out of bed, got dressed, ate breakfast, drank some coffee, hopefully brushed our teeth, and drove here. Those were all things we didn't have to do, but we ultimately did them. God brought each of us here today for a specific reason. Maybe it was to grow closer to each other in this wonderful community or to grow closer to God. We may not know now what we are doing or why we are doing it, but later we will all understand.